Morning, guys. Right. Um, It's nice to be with you this morning. I'm Sarah. I'm one of the support leaders here. Um, So we're here just to to worship Jesus, to see how good he is, to see how amazing he is, but also to see actually what difference that makes to our lives now, today, and through the next weeks and months and years. Um, Stu, I believe, opened some of the, the stuff last week um, from the passage in Luke 6. So I'm looking at the next little bit after he, he looked at last week. Um, and it's Luke 6, verses 27 to 42. There is a massive amount in here, so do go back afterwards and read back through a lot of this. Um, I'm going to pick out a few points um, this morning, which I feel that God said, you know, let's go for this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, we poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now this morning, I think... There are a few things. The first thing that this starts off with is Jesus says to you who are listening. So I'm speaking to us this morning. Jesus was saying this to a whole load of people. He'd been talking already and he then turns around and said, but to those that are listening. Some of what we're talking about this morning, some of what Jesus was saying is not easy stuff to listen to. It's not easy stuff to hear. And we can so easily kind of sit here And I've done it on Sunday mornings too. I've done it on other occasions at times. And just 
sat there and looked like I'm listening, possibly looked like I'm engaging, sometimes not, I'm sure those that are speaking can tell, um, and yet actually I've just let it go past me. I've ignored what Jesus is saying. So what I think Jesus is saying this morning is, are you listening? So it's basically, I've got a nice three-point sermon. We're saying, are you listening? Love your enemies and do not judge. So nothing too heavy going on here this morning at all. Okay. Um, the background to this, most of us, if, if we know our Bibles pretty well, would look at this and go, oh yeah, Sermon on the Mount. I've heard this stuff before. Jesus said it in Matthew. Yeah, I know the Sermon on the Mount. The thing is, in Luke, this is actually called the Sermon on the Plain. It's not the Sermon on the Mount. It's a completely different time. But the material is very, very similar. In a slightly different order at times, but it's very similar. And I think the thing that really struck me to the, on that is that Jesus saw these messages as being so key that he didn't just say it one place. He went somewhere else and he said the same thing again. And potentially he went somewhere else and said the same thing again. This was part of his core message. This wasn't a one-off thing. Jesus said this repeatedly because it's so important. So this morning, are we listening? Are we listening in a way that is not just about, um, okay, I've heard it, that's information. I've been to enough lectures this year. I know what it's like to take information in. Are we listening in a way that says, actually, yes, I've heard that, and now I'm going to allow it to change my life. I'm going to allow it to change my world. Or am I actually just saying, no, my culture, my surroundings, the people around me are saying, this is the norm. This is what it's supposed to be like. And I'm listening to that more. So when it talks about enemies, oh yes, here. It says, here's a cartoon here. Jesus saying, turn the other cheek, love the enemy, give the short shirt off your back. And the guy says, he couldn't be... Um, he couldn't be my minister. He'd never get me successfully elected. Our society says, actually, some of this stuff is not stuff we can listen to. It's not stuff that we want to listen to because it doesn't get us where we want to. Are we listening, though, anyway? So love your enemies. So who are my enemies? And I, I tried to write a nice little list, and I started off with... Those who I don't understand. Those who don't understand me. Those who oppose me. Those who hate me. Those who oppose or hate those that I love. Those that want to kill me. Um, and for Jesus, that was very literally the case. Those that make my stomach churn when I think about them. Those that make my heart sink. And I thought, actually, ultimately, it's anyone that I call those. Anyone that are those people, as opposed to my people. That's who Jesus is saying to love. Anyone that I don't see as being like me, or those that, you know, anyone that I would put into a group that's over there, as opposed to my group that's here. That actually makes it quite a big group that I've got to love. 
particularly when you then go with the, well, I've got to love those that are like me as well, that doesn't leave me with many exclusions, and I couldn't come up with any. So, you know, I think when we're talking about this stuff, this is not just about those people that we can really put a proper label on. It's absolutely anybody. Thing is, when Jesus was sitting here talking this, his hearers would have been saying, well, not those Romans. I hope he doesn't mean them. You know, those that can come into our village and just kill people because someone else did something. But that's exactly who Jesus was talking about as well. Um, when Jesus talks of love, it's not an optional extra. This is not something that he says, okay, yes, you can become a Christian, you can become my follower, and if you want to, you can love. It kind of defines who we are as Christians, this stuff. You know, when we ask, okay, well, what is love? Romans 5 verse 8, it says, well, this is how I know what love is. Okay, good, nice short definition. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were his enemies, he gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. That is Jesus' definition of love. That's how Paul writes it down in the book of Romans. I've also heard it said it's about seeking to see the person become more Christ-like. So if I'm loving someone, I'm wanting them to become more like Jesus. I'm wanting them to be the full person that they can be. And it's about treating someone as Jesus would treat them. I like nice little tick box rules. You know, I like it when someone says, if you do this, then you're achieving that. You know, if you do this, you are loving your enemy. You are loving someone. If you do this and this and this and this. But the trouble is, I don't think Jesus gives us lists like that. I think he just says, you know, go do likewise. Do what I've been doing. Lay down your life. Sacrifice for other people. It's not a simple, yes, I have ticked this box to say I have sent them a bunch of flowers. Yes, I have written a card. Yes, I've done whatever it is that they particularly need, done their washing when their washing machine's broken down. It's not about that kind of thing. Yes, those all can be expressions of love. But actually, are we seeking to treat someone as Jesus would treat them? Another reason that it's important, God is love. And actually, we are his children if we love. In Matthew 5, he puts it a little bit more clearly than he does in the Luke 6 passage. Um, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. It's a defining feature of Christians. Are we children of God? Are we loving our enemies? This is part of God's character. God is love. You know, that's, that's a bottom line in many ways. God is love. Nice short verse. Um, 
And Jesus reveals God's character. So if we're behaving like Jesus, if we are acting to others like Jesus out of a motivation that is to see them become more Jesus-like, then we will be loving them. But as it says in Luke, we can't just love those who love us. That's kind of not what love really is. Um, If we're going to be like God, if we are going to become more like Jesus then actually we need to love those who are actually going to put us on a cross. Those that are going to take from us. Those who are potentially wanting harm from us or for us. So he goes on and talks of different ways that we can love our enemies. Um, Some of those are very sort of active. We decide we are going to go and do something to love someone. We are going to do good to those who hate us. It's a deliberate thing. Trouble is, I know I can sometimes feel like, oh, I'm just letting them off the hook a bit. Um, Because I want to feel that I'm right. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like that at times. Um, But actually, that's not what it's about. It's not whether I'm right or wrong. Am I doing good to those who hate me? Am I blessing those who curse me? Verse 28. You know, what's my motivation for blessing other people? Do I bless them because it looks good on me? Do I bless them because I like them? Or do I bless them because God wants to bless them? And I am his hands and feet here. And God wants to do that. Do I pray for those who mistreat me? Verse 28. And I I had a good think about, you know, what actually happens when we do that? When we do these things, when we love those who hate us, when we pray for those who mistreat us, we actually just start to release our hands from around their neck. You know, from that time that we just want to throttle them. When we pray for them, you actually just let go just takes your hands from round their throat. Not literally, I'm hoping, (laughs) metaphorically speaking. The thing is, when you pray for someone, you start to see them as Jesus' child. You start to see them as someone who Jesus loves. And if we are truly living the life that Jesus has asked us to live and gives us the power to live, then actually, when we pray for them, we will start to love them too because we start to see them through Jesus' eyes. Praying for them may not change their behavior one little bit, but it will change my attitude to them and it will change my behavior towards them. And if this is someone that I see on a regular basis, if I change my behavior to them, the chances are their behavior will start to change too. It's not a motivation, but it does sometimes happen. Those that we pray for no longer control us. We become free because we are praying for them. We are loving them. He also talks about ways that we can respond when people directly and deliberately hurt us. And he talks about turning the other cheek. I thought, okay, what does that mean? It's a phrase that we all hear. It's a phrase that's well known. If you've been through church for a long time, you definitely will have heard it a lot. 
Um, and it's about not retaliating. It's about making a deliberate choice not to retaliate. It's about stopping the pattern of behavior. If someone slaps me and I respond by slapping them back, that escalates. That pattern of behavior will continue. If someone slaps me and I turn the other cheek, I refuse to retaliate, it gives that pattern of behavior a chance to stop. That hating a chance to stop. It stops that pattern from continuing. And we have the power to do that. We don't have the power to control what they do, but we have the power to control what we do. And, you know, thinking about all this, you know, how do, it's all very well, Jesus says, love your enemies. But actually, what does that mean? Um, you know, and we can go, oh, it means we just ignore them. We don't do nasty things to them. We don't do, we don't do as opposed to, we do pray for them, we do bless them, we do good things for them. And Jesus actively sought out and did good things for his enemies. When we see him talking to the woman at the well, socially, culturally, he was completely her enemy, and vice versa. But he treated her as human, he treated her as equal, he treated her as an individual, and he gave her value. Do we do that for those who our society says are actually our enemies? Those who are the others? We also see Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. Those who were misrepresenting God. They were actually being really separatist. They were saying, you know, you cannot come to God because you are a woman, because you are not Jewish, because you are various different categories... Sinners was their sort of catch-all. Um, you know, those are the things where actually they were the people that were keeping others from coming to God. And they were Jesus' enemies. And yes, he did oppose them, but he still loved them. He still grieved over them. When we look at the Last Supper the one that we always tend to think of as almost the ultimate enemy to Jesus, the one who later that same night would betray him in Judas, was there and Jesus washed his feet. That's how Jesus loved his enemies. Jesus knew what Ju Judas was going to do and that's how he behaved. And as I said earlier, while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He hung on that cross and he died so that we could come back into relationship with him. And I think when we look at how Jesus behaved, it really helps us to see what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. It wasn't a passive, just don't be nasty to them. He was actively good to his enemies. He prayed for them. And the ultimate one was hanging on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them. And I think we sometimes, you know, we can make too much of forgiveness, we can make too little of forgiveness. 
But I don't think we can actually do any of these things without forgiving. We cannot pray for people. We cannot bless them. We cannot turn the other cheek unless actually we forgive. Now, forgiveness does not mean that what they did was right. It does not mean um, that you know, there's going to be a restored relationship necessarily. We can forgive someone and it doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship will be restored. Obviously, that would be lovely, but they have to choose that too. And it's also, we can't always forgive. They may be dead. That's not going to bring restored relationship. But forgiveness does free us. Um, You know, I mean, Jesus forgave us on the cross. But that forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship has been restored unless we choose to accept that. Forgiveness allows us, like I said earlier, to be free from the power that that person holds over us. When we don't forgive, what they did hurts us. As someone once said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting them to be affected. It's just not how it happens. When we don't forgive, we aren't free. And probably the biggest one is that when we don't forgive, we're not behaving like Jesus. Jesus forgave those that were killing him. And he forgave us our sins. Now this is not easy. This is really not easy stuff. Okay, I'm I'm fully aware this is not a light, fluffy sermon here. Um, And sometimes it's more a case of, I can't forgive. I can't do it. But God, I know that you think that's the best thing to do. So can you help me move at least one step in that direction? And if we keep doing that in an honest heart, there comes a time when actually we can turn around and say, I forgive you. And I remember years ago being in that position of knowing it was a really good thing to forgive. Um, And in many ways there had been a restored relationship, but there still hadn't been a proper forgiveness. Um, And it came to the point where actually I knew I should forgive, but I couldn't get there yet. But I was able to say to God, look, just I know that's the right thing. I know that's the best thing. Can you help me to get there? And he did. And I was able to ring up that person. It's not always appropriate to do, but I was able to ring up that person and say, actually, I forgive you for what you did there. And it brought huge healing to them and to me. It restored that relationship fully. Now that was a beautiful opportunity Um, But it wasn't a one-stage process. Even after that, when it came back to mind, I still had to go, no, I have chosen to forgive. I'm going to hand that back to you, God. I I choose to forgive. I have chosen to forgive. I have chosen to forgive. And now, unless I am deliberately 
talking about something like this or unless a similar situation comes up, it doesn't ever cross my mind when I see that person. Because that forgiveness has allowed that restored relationship. So it's not easy. And we can walk with others in that journey. The next big thing that Jesus says in this passage is do not judge. And we're very good at it. We are really, really good at judging. Um, And I think one of the reasons for that is that actually when we go right back to the Garden of Eden, our original sin was choosing to judge in many ways. The tree that humans ate from was the tree of that knowledge of good and evil. Trying to say, I hold that knowledge of that is good and that is evil. That's where we started. That's where we went wrong in the first place. That's why we've got so good at it. It's trying to say, I actually know better than you do, God. And, you know, if I'm honest, I quite like judging. I know it's not good for me. I know it's not good for other people. Um, But it kind of makes me feel better. Makes me feel bigger than them. Back to those people again. Okay? Um, It makes me feel better about myself. Because I don't do that. Whatever that is. Okay? All that's happening is I'm actually trying to get life for myself by taking it from them. By diminishing that other person. That's not how Jesus behaved. I'm not proud of that. It's not how it should be. It's not how I want it to be. And I am noticing it more often when I judge than I used to. I'm kind of working on the basis that he's bringing it to mind easier. And each time I'm trying to come back to him and say, I'm sorry, I choose to love that person. The thing is, we should be getting life from Jesus only, not from other people around us, not from our opinions. And there's enough opinions flying around, both politically and socially. We all have opinions, but we should never be getting our life from those. We should be getting our life from Jesus. Otherwise, those opinions are just an idol, and we're worshipping something else. And um, we have this cat here with its little face stuck in its piece of bread saying, don't judge me. And I think, you know, so often we're a bit like this cat, kind of going, I know I'm not right, but don't judge me. But we're still going and judging other people just because they've got their face stuck in something different, not their piece of bread. You know, we all do it. And then Jesus talks about a plank and a splinter in an eye. We have here one person laughing You just told him he has a splinter in his eye and you have a beam in yours. Okay? And that person has a complete tree trunk in their eye. We can grade sins. We can grade behaviors and kind of go, mine's not as bad as yours, is not as bad as theirs. That's not the point. The point is we shouldn't be judging it in the first place. 
Let's leave that up to Jesus to do. Because he's the only one that's got clear eyes. He's the only one that can see clearly on these things. But when we look at that bit, he doesn't want us to keep that plank in our eye. He says, take the plank out. And we often need the help of others around us to do that. So we're saying, well, don't go to each other and say you've got a plank in your, your you've got a splinter in your eye because I've got a plank in mine, but I want someone to help me with my... You know, we start getting into these circular arguments with ourselves. Okay? I don't have the right to come to most of you individually and say, you are doing this. That's wrong. But few of you have given me permission to do that. And for those people, that is loving if I go to them and say, you know, you said you wanted to be more like Jesus. In this area, you're not looking like him at at this moment. Now, if I come to someone and just say that I haven't got permission, I haven't got that relationship with, and I just say, you're doing this, I'm only doing that because I want to be proved right. If I go to someone that I love, that I have relationship with and I have permission, and I say, you're not behaving like that, you're doing this again, that is because I want to see them become more Jesus-like. And that's coming from a place of relationship. That is different from just judging. So we do want to grow. We do want to come and and help each other to grow. And I'm fully aware I'm standing here, you know, feeling quite vulnerable at this point in time, saying, you know, I know I'm, I know this is one of the things I tend to do. Um, but I, I don't want you guys all to come back to me and say, oh, Sarah, you said. <laughs> because actually, again, for some of you, I have given you permission to do that. Our relationship is strong enough to do that. And before we say anything with anyone, no matter what relationship, double check with God first. Am I saying this out of a place of love and wanting to see them become more loving and become more Jesus-like? Or am I saying this because actually I just want to prove that I'm right and you're wrong and I want to get life from that fact? When Jesus says about do to others as you would have them do to you, how do I want ISIS to treat me? How do I want those who disagree with me on Brexit to treat me? How do I want that patient that I had that doesn't like me, how do I want them to treat me? How do I want that neighbor that's got that dog that barks all the time to treat me? Do I treat each of those in that way? Do I pray for those who, as a Christian, want to kill me because they believe I am wrong and I am dangerous for their religion? Do I pray for them? Do I seek good for them? For that neighbor that has the dog that barks, do I want good for them? Do I want them, you know, whatever it is, to be in a peaceful place? And, 
you know, I can, I can look down these things and go, okay, I know the right answers. <laughs> you know, tick, box, yep, I know those answers. It's worth thinking about it. Am I actually answering those, those things correctly? Or am I answering them honestly? Um, and sometimes those two things will co coincide, and I hope they do. Um, you know, and I have had an experience where I had a patient who was trying to sue me and say all sorts of incorrect stuff about me. Um, and I remember being an Adrian, bless him, came with me to one of the hearings. And I actually said, you know, look, I have been praying for this person. Now, that didn't stop my stomach churning every time another email came in on this subject, but it did actually make me see them as a real person. It made me see them as someone that actually Jesus loves. Um, you know, and it's not an easy thing to do. Genuinely not an easy thing to do. So we can say, okay, this is not what Jesus really meant. You know, we're good at that, aren't we, with some of the harder sayings. And if it's not what he meant, then what did he mean? But the thing is, when we look at how he acted, I don't think we have that as an option. I think Jesus really meant it when he said, love your enemies. He behaved in a way that said, I love my enemies and I wish good for them. The early church, before the third century, they would have said the same. They loved their enemies. So today, are we listening to what God is saying now? Am I loving my enemies? Am I judging? Now we've got a time of communion now. And this is actually a time of remembrance. It's a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. It's of what he did on that cross. So as we come to this time, I'll go over there in a minute and we'll break the bread. It's an opportunity for us to ask for forgiveness for ourselves and to thank him for what he's done for us. It's an opportunity to think about what he did on the cross. To provide forgiveness for us and for those that we consider to be enemies. It's an opportunity this morning for us to actually grant forgiveness. Now, for some, that may actually be something that is very imminent. It may be something with someone that's here and that actually it recalls, it gives an opportunity to actually say, I'm sorry, I've been holding this against you. Most likely it won't be. But it's good to pray with others as we do these things. There is something about saying, I forgive this person out loud that is really powerful. As opposed to saying it somewhere in our head where we can ignore that we've ever said it again. There will be a team at the back to pray. Um, there will be opportunities there to pray. But this morning, are we listening to what Jesus is saying in a way that actually means that we will go out and live that are we loving our enemies? 
or are we judging them?